Have you been thinking about wanting to start your own podcast? When I was trying to get the Evan Witt show off the ground, trying to find where to go, I had a lot of questions and trying to figure it out. And Anchor was the place to go. Easy to start, easy to use, and it's free. And you can get your podcast heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other great places that people like to listen. The answer, again, is Anchor. And I love using Anchor as it's extremely easy and simple and free to use. If you want to join me with Anchor on your podcast, then go to anchor.fm slash start and join me and the diverse community of all the podcasters that Anchor has to offer. I enjoy and cannot wait to start hearing your first podcast. That's anchor.fm slash start. Check, check. Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of Talking Sports with Evan. I am Evan with Hallison and have a two-part show today. Um, going to talk, recap the Packers' 35-20 win over the Houston Texans this past Sunday. And also going to uh, preview Packers-Vikings. So I was going to, I was going to preview, uh, well, recap, uh, like I did last week, do two shows. Going to recap Packers-Texans Monday or Tuesday and then previewed Vikings today. Well, unfortunately, it just condensed into one show as last week I was up at, well, I should say last week, earlier this week, Sunday through yesterday, I was up in Door County and decided that I was going to enjoy time with family rather than, um, rather than do a show. So apologize for those that are not happy that it's a, uh, a two-part show. Um, so it might be a little bit longer than I normally do. I try to keep it 30 minutes or less, but probably going to be a little longer. So Packers get the win. Have a few uh, top, a few points I want to make about that victory. Um, the Packers are playing the Vikings. Have a few comments about that game I need to make. Um, need to make as well. Uh, I. It, it probably won't be as easy of a game as most people are expecting it to be because the Vikings do have talent on their football team. Not been playing extremely well, but they do have talent. Um, can't disrespect them. And I'm going to kind of go into some of my concerns going into this Viking game, as well as talk about Packers' key to victory, talk about um, what, you know, yeah, what the Packers need to do in order to win. So. With that said, Talking Sports with Evan is always, as always, brought to you by uh, Coach uh, Coach Evan Fitness. Uh, if you're looking to lose some weight, get healthy, uh, shed some pounds, learn to eat healthier, whatever your, your plan, your goals are, I want to give you a hand. I want to help you find those resources to help you get to where you want to be at. I use the... Uh, Beachbody and Beachbody On Demand. In fact, right before I recorded this, I got done with my workout. I'm doing a hybrid core to force MMA style workout along the lines of, along with uh, from 10 rounds, the weights. So I'm combining those two programs a little bit. So I love the program. I want to talk to you more about Beachbody and what it has to offer in regards to home workouts and with everything going on with COVID and uncertainty and talk about possible shutdowns again and limited capacity at places once again and mask mandates, things like that, you can work out in the comfort of your home if you choose to. You, know, you can just shoot me an email, coachevan66 at gmail.com. Also, you can uh, 
email me regarding the show there as well. You can also find me on Facebook, Talking Sports with Evan, and on Twitter, at Evan with Sports. So before I dive into the show, I'm going to add a little uh, little twist to this show. A little, you know, I hope, so I hope you all don't mind. So I was up in Door County, and every time I'm up in Door County, I try to visit someplace new. I'm running out of new places to visit. I'm talking breweries, winery, things like that. I try to visit someplace new. And I obviously always go to the Door Peninsula Winery and Distillery. Have reasons to go there. They have great products, great wine, great uh, great spirits. I highly recommend them. Um, I probably pay buy more than I should when I'm there. But again, I highly recommend uh, checking it out. For example, at the moment right now, they have a bourbon uh, whiskey right now, uh, maple finish. It's uh, barreled and used maple syrup barrels, and it's pretty good. It's a test run. Figure out you know if something they want to keep on their shelves. I and I, and I highly recommend checking it out. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, the other thing, I, like I said, I always try to do. I always try to hit up something place new for beer. And there's a new one there, Bridge Up Brewing Company. It's in Sturgeon Bay. If you're familiar with Door County, it's located in uh, the building that Sunny's Pizzeria is in. Um, the the Sunny's Pizzeria, down, located right by the old bridge in Sturgeon Bay. Um, and, you know, the, the, I, I tried there uh, while I was there. And, yes, I did it safely. Wore a mask in the place, took it down to drink, put it back on. After I drank, so I did do it safely for those that are wondering. But I really enjoy their beer. It, you know, they have a lot of options. Uh, they have IPAs, stouts, lagers, um, whatever. They have fruity IPAs, like, like a Fruit Loop flavor. And what I'm drinking right now is a 1851 Zico Lager, and it, it's pretty good. I uh. Drank it on the flight, the flight that I got of different flavored beers, and uh, like I said, it's actually really good. I, I really enjoyed it, and someplace I recommend going as well. Um, I uh, yeah, someplace I highly recommend going as well. So, with that, you guys are you know listening to the show for me to talk Packers and Packers Texans and Packers Vikings. Um, one next thing to jump in before I do go into that it is sports related. My head scratcher of the day. Another new segment of the show. My head scratcher of the day. And the Chicago White Sox, they had a lot of high expectations on the season this year. They make the playoffs. People are expecting the White Sox to make a deep run into the playoffs. This is, quote, their year. Good mix of young talent and veteran, and they slip up in the first round of the playoffs, and they go home early. So the White Sox let their manager go. They mutually agreed to part ways is the terminology they used, but ultimately it said, hey, we're going to fire you, so we can say we did, you mutually agreed to part ways, or we can just say we fired you, and they mutually agreed to part ways. So lots of options the White Sox could have explored. Um, they could have went a recent retired former player out. Um, they could have went Alex Cora, who the Red Sox let go. Um, the manager that got let go by Houston during their cheating scandal, they could have went that route. 
Um, they they could have went a lot of routes. They went Tony La Russa. And here's why it's a head scratcher. Tony La Russa, Hall of Fame manager, did a lot of, you know, won a lot of games in baseball, won multiple World Series. I'm not saying that he hasn't proven his worth in Major League Baseball. But he's also mid and later 70s. You have a young team in Chicago. For the most part, you do have some young pieces mixed in, but you have a young team that likes to have fun in Chicago. Tony La Russa, especially when he was in St. Louis, came across as a grump, and he wanted the game played, quote, the right way. So he was a big stickler on the unwritten rule of the baseball. The White Sox like to have fun. This is going to be very interesting. Is La Russa, who again, middle 70s, is he going to have to change his ways and lighten up a little bit and allow more fun? Or are the White Sox players that enjoy having fun going to not be allowed to have fun anymore and play the game, quote, the right way? So that's where it's going to be a little interesting. And that's where it's a head scratcher. Things could get very interesting in Chicago. How is he going to relate to the younger players they have on that team? It's going to get very interesting in Chicago. How much power, how much uh, leeway is he going to have to the personnel that the White Sox bring into the organization? Is he going to want to trade away some of these older, these younger players and bring in more veterans? I don't know. Again, it's going to be extremely interesting to see where things go in Chicago. I want to get your thoughts on it. For those listening, you can tweet at me at Evan with Sports. You can email me, uh, CoachEvan66 at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. I don't think it's going to go well, but like I said, let me know what you think. CoachEvan66 at gmail.com, at Evan with Sports, and at Talking Sports with Evan on Facebook. So moving on. Packers beat the Texans. Yay. 35-20. Aaron Rodgers looked back in sync, 23-34 for 283 and four touchdowns. Jamal Williams, 19 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown along a 13. He uh, looked like he could carry the load as a number one back. A.J. Dillon, 5 for 11. Mm, could be better, but... He's one that needs volume carries, and right now at this time, he's not going to get it. Now, you are going to have probably another game where Jamal Williams is the featured back, and I'll get to that when I talk about Vikings, and uh, Dylan's going to have to be that number two back. But he, he obviously needs to improve in his past pro, and Jamal Williams has struggled blocking the past couple weeks too. So, anyways. It was a Devontae Adams show, 13 catches, 196 yards, and two touchdowns. Jamal Williams, four catches for 37 yards. Robert Tanyan, like Funyan, Tanyan, two catches for 32 yards. Mercedes Lewis, one for nine. Malik Taylor, two for six with his first career touchdown. And Jay Sternberger, one for three with his first career regular season touchdown. Need a little bit better than other wide receivers. Now Adams was in a zone. He was open all game. Houston couldn't do anything. It didn't help that their number one corner got hurt in the first couple plays of the game, and they just did not do a good job of trying to guard Adams. And rewatching the game, they did a lot of zone coverage, and a lot of times Adams is running 
wide open in the middle of the field because they're in zone and the guy that was covering Adams at the line just lets Adams continue to run wide open. I, I'm i not a defensive expert. I don't pretend to be. I know offensive line play, but and I know defensive line play, but I don't think you want to leave Devontae Adams running wide open in the middle of the field in zone. If anything, you want to double up on him. You put a man up with a safety over the top. If you want to do zone other places, that's fine. But I don't understand why you're going to do zone on Devontae Adams. But there's a reason why Houston has only won uh, one, uh, one, one game this season so far. And that's one of the reasons why. Defensively, Packers did okay. Uh, Deshaun Watson did pick them apart a little bit, 29-39 to 309 and two touchdowns. Um, a few drives, he found places in the middle of the field. They found a matchup that they liked with Raven Green on Randall Cobb and exploited it a little bit. Um, David Johnson, 14 carries for 42 yards. The Packers did pretty well containing him. Deshaun Watson, 7 for 38, and Duke Johnson, 1 for negative 1. The Packers control the line of scrimmage. I got to tip my hat to the defensive line. Montrevious Adams, Dean Lowry, Kiki Kingsley, and obviously uh, Kenny Clark. They played outstanding. They, they made things extremely difficult for the Texans in the running game for most of the game. The Texans like doing a, a zone blocking scheme, but they do also pull guys. And the Packers did a nice job blowing up the pulling guy and keeping gap security and not allowing Johnson and Johnson any place to try to cut back. Preston Smith, I know he hasn't done what you want him to do in regards to getting pressure on the quarterback. That's what you paid him to do. But I felt uh, Preston Smith did a great job securing the edge in the running game. I thought Rashawn Gary had some nice plays defending the run. Darius Smith did pretty decent for the most part, securing the run a couple times. Same with Preston Smith. A couple times they kind of got washed out of there a little bit. But overall, I think they did okay. But the big thing is Adams, Kiki, and Lowry. I felt they played great on Sunday. And to the Vikings, our team is going to probably try to run the ball if Cook is able to play. Those three stepping up huge once again is going to be key to beating the Vikings. But it was great seeing Dean Lowry finally show up. It, it really was. You know, Randall Cobb, 8 for 95. Brandon Cook, 7 for 60. Deck, uh, Duke Johnson, 5 for 43. David Johnson, 4 for 42. Will Fuller only had, had 3 for 35 and a touchdown. He's a guy that's been averaging uh, quite you know pretty decent yards the past several weeks. And Kenny Stills, 2 for 34. And Alexander, once again, proving why he is one of the top rising corners in all of the NFL. As Fuller, yeah, he had three catches for 35 yards, but none of them are credited when Alexander was guarding him. Now Alexander gets to go up against Jefferson and Thielen, and we'll see how it goes. Same with Josh Jackson, who once again had a pretty solid day. It was really good tackling uh, the running backs and uh, receivers when they did make catches, and did a pretty decent job in coverage, especially on Brandon Cook. So tip my hat to him him there. So a couple things I want to point out about the game. I did talk about how the defensive line and the front seven in particular really controlled the game, and that made things easier for the offense. Middle linebacker play with Martin and Burns was pretty good. 
there are some work that those guys and Ty Summers still need, like one the touchdown pass to David Johnson. Ty Summers let him go past it. He was it was a guy to cover. Let him go past him for some reason, and by the time he realized it, oh crap! It was too late. Touchdown Texans. They, he, he's a young player. He's going to learn. He's got to you know he's going to you know learn and develop and get more comfortable playing. But he can't allow that to happen. Um, Barnes and uh, Martin, it's more about they, they take their own gap sometimes and run support. Um, but I didn't, wasn't as noticeable for Barnes as it was in Tampa Bay. But Martin did a great job in his first game. I know Pro Football Focus had him one of the top linebackers from, for uh, this past week, which was good to see. Other thing I have to point out. Um, so I brought this up last week in my Packer Buccaneer recap, brought it up as something they had to work on in my Packer Texan preview, and sure enough, they did. So I'm not the only one that said this, Jim Ozarski with the Green Bay Press Gazette. Um, he, uh, also worked, uh, contributes to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel as well. And he mentioned, uh... Business against bad teams is recap takeaways of the game. And one of the things he said was the Packers offense slowed down to Tampa Bay in more ways than one, he says. But a notable one was how lethargic the team was breaking the huddle and starting to play. That was not the case Sunday as the communication from the Florida Rogers to the rest of the offense was efficient, getting them to the line of scrimmage early in the play clock. So I, I, I banged the drum last week that they were breaking the huddle with about 10, 10 to 15 seconds left in the play clock. Guys lined up wrong. Um, it takes away a lot of the pre-snap motion that the Packers have wanted to do, have liked doing so far this season. Well, against Tampa Bay, they didn't do it. They, they couldn't do the pre-snap movement. A lot of people question why aren't they doing motion, why aren't they doing shifts, things like that. Look at the play clock. You, you get to the line of scrimmage with less than 10 seconds to go. Now you got to rush to get the ball off so you don't take a delay a game or have to use a timeout. Against Houston, they were getting to the line of scrimmage much quicker, getting lined up much quicker. So they were able to put guys in motion, shift guys, kind of get that idea of what you want to see from the defense before you snap the ball. When you, when you in and out of the huddle quick, when you – do what you're supposed to do in that regard. Your offense runs more crisp. And against Tampa Bay, they didn't look crisp. Every other game this season, they've looked extremely crisp. All their wins. Now, they haven't had to win ugly yet. That'll be interesting to see if they do get to a point where they're going to have to win ugly. But we will we will see uh, what happens if they get to that Situation. Hopefully, and you know, and one the concerning thing with Matt Lafleur is the games they've lost, they've been completely dismantled. Same style, same way each time. So it'll be interesting to see um, what they do um, moving forward in that situation. So. I think that just about does it for the Texans. And like I said, the Packers won the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. The offensive line played great. Oh, I got to tip my hat to uh, Billy uh, Billy Turner and Rick Wagner as well. Now, they did struggle at times in the running game. 
But overall, I think they did extremely well. One thing you got to do better, and I know when you're trying to uh, take pick up J.J. Uh, Watt on the backside, the tight ends have to do better when they're coming across the formation, uh, I guess, pulling to secure the backside. They have to do a better job of securing that backside guy because there's a few times in, in Houston where the backside guy crashed down a lot of times with J.J. Watt, number 91 a couple times for Houston as well, came crashing down and blew it up. So that'd be another thing they have to work on moving forward. So Packers Vikings coming up. Packers beat the Vikings earlier this season, as we all know, week one, um, 43-34. And until the fourth quarter, the game wasn't close at all. Rodgers was in complete control, 32-44 for 364 and four touchdowns. Aaron Jones, six for six, 16 carries, 66 yards and a touchdown. Tyler Irvin, who's practiced today and yesterday, three carries to 38 yards. Jamal Williams, seven for 21. Receiving, Devontae Adams tied the Packer franchise record with 14 catches. Then he had 156 yards and two touchdowns as well. MVS had four catches for 96 and a touchdown. Lazard, four for 63 and a touchdown. Lazard likely won't play. MVS has completely disappeared for the past couple weeks. But Tyler Irvin should be back. Um, yeah, Tyler Irvin should be back. Tanyan should have a big, uh, big, uh, big game this week uh, going up against his Viking defense. And the starting corners from Week One, where Devante had 14 for 156, are all likely not to play. Going to be interesting. Now, the key thing for the Packers against the Vikings is the same thing from last week and the same thing from week one against the Vikings. Tempo. Get to the line of scrimmage and let's go. Break the huddle quickly, get to the line of scrimmage, and let's do what you do pre-snap and let's go. Let's get get the tempo going quickly against the Vikings. Devontae should be wide open most of this game. If he's not, then they're double-teaming him and then there should be somebody else wide open. I think offensively, this is going to be a breakout game for Ecumenia St. Brown. Matt LaFleur hinted in his uh, his uh, today in his uh, press conference that we may start seeing him involved more in the game plan. They've been bringing him along slowly, and they, they feel more comfortable getting him more involved. I got a feeling he's going to probably have some big catches. I think he's going to get a touchdown. And the numbers you saw from Alan Lazard... Week one, 463 and a touchdown. I think you're going to see probably similar numbers, if not better, from uh, Akimenia St. Brown this week. I think he's going to have a big game offensively. Devontae is, of course, going to have another big game. And I I think this is the week A.J. Dillon scores a touchdown. I, I think this is the week he finally scores a touchdown. Um as I mentioned before, it doesn't look like Aaron Jones is going to play again. Matt LaFleur talking in practice this week was very uh, unsure um, so far, saying that um, they got to do what's best long term. Coach Beak basically saying that he probably isn't going to play. And here's the thing. Here's the thing right now. Here's the thing right now. You have the 49ers coming up. Um, Thursday night, a week from tonight, you're going out to Santa Clara, California to take on the 49ers, who the last two times you've played 
has punched you in the mouth repeatedly over and over and over again, and you have not been able to respond. So my guess is they're going to give Jones another week, get him more healthy, get through this Viking uh, game with a W, with Jamal Williams being that feature back again, and then have Aaron Jones ready to go in Santa Clara to try to get things moving a little bit. And I'm going to obviously talk San Francisco next week, so I'm not going to spend too much time there any, any more than that. Um, but David Bakhtiari returned to practice in pads today, which is a big step. He might be ready to go against Minnesota, or they may decide to hold him out until San Francisco as well. I don't know. Um, Irvin, I'm guessing they're going to put him in the game, get him reacclimated to playing. King, they're likely holding out again, as it sounds like he had a setback. Um, Tunyon, uh, I, again, I think he's going to have a big game this week. I think if you have him in fantasy, you should probably put him in because um, the Vikings are likely going to do everything they possibly can to stop um, Devontae Adams, which they won't be able to, let's face it. Uh, but I think that's where their focus is going to be. So offensively, if the Packers do what they did in week one, they'll be fine. They're going to move the football easily on this team. Big thing, though, is they have to score touchdowns when they do get the ball deep into the red zone. Twice against Minnesota, they failed to do that. They first possession set up for a field goal. Second possession, they got stopped on fourth down at the one-yard line, which led to a Packer uh, forcing a safety. Um, uh, Alexander blitzed and got the safety. Um, Packers need to finish drives. Minnesota, for as bad as they've looked at times this year, they got some talent on their team. And, and, and you look at the Vikings. Um, yes, they're 1-5. But... You, you look at, you know, Kirk Cousins. You know, he's not had a great year, but he's serviceable. He can, he has a big arm. He can push the ball down the field. Delvin Cook is giving you fits. Uh, if he's healthy, he's going to get, potentially give you fits again. Look for the, uh, the Vikings to give him the ball a lot. Adam Thielen, late in the game, had a huge game against you. He's got... 40, uh, 32 catches for 415 and seven touchdowns, averaging 13 yards per catch. Um, he's a guy that can burn you. And Kyle Rudolph, big tight end across the middle, 10 catches for 123. And Irv Smith, 10 catches for 133, two tight ends that can beat you over the middle. And the X factor is a guy that didn't really see the field much at all in week one, rookie Justin Jefferson. He is starting out four games, didn't play much in week one, but he's starting out four games, and he's got 28 catches for 537 and three touchdowns, and he's averaging 19.2 yards per catch. He's a guy you got to watch out for. He's a guy that can beat you, and you're going to be down one corner in Kevin King. Alexander is likely going to start out on Thielen, but you may need to move him on Jefferson. And now you're going to have uh, Josh Jackson, who's played efficient the last couple weeks having more significant playing time. How is he going to respond with quicker, faster wide receivers? He struggled in Atlanta when he came on late for King when he got hurt. Then you got Chandler Sullivan, who has quietly put up a very solid year as the slot corner. Are they going to try to maybe move him outside a little bit um, if Jackson struggles? The other, uh, Holman, Kadar Holman is another one. Young corner who they very high on, but you know, 
point I'm trying to make with the the holes that the Packers potentially have on the back half with Kevin King out and Jackson playing against this pretty dangerous Viking passing game, the Vikings might put up some yards. The big thing is, and I hinted at this when I was talking about the Packers-Texans, is the three guys I mentioned, along with Kenny Clark, where we know Kenny Clark's going to play balls to the wall, but Adams, Kiki, and Lowry. Those three guys need to step up and need to uh, um, need to need to step up and need to have another great game. If those guys have a great game, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, Rashawn Gary should all have pretty solid games if the defensive line is doing what they need to do. Packers haven't gotten a lot of pressure this year. That's been the drum. Packer writers, Packer bloggers, myself included, have been pre, you know banging on in the in the in the passing game. They have to get better getting pressures on the quarterback, which Preston Smith has struggled with. Darius Smith uh, has been up and down. Um, they got to get better pressure from those two and Rashawn Gary. I personally believe Rashawn Gary is on the cusp of having a breakout game. He's on the cusp of putting it all together and having an outstanding game. I, I see good things from him on film that points me in that direction. I know most of Packer land, uh, a lot of Packer fans want to put down that he's a bust already because he hasn't been playing uh, like you would expect the 12th pick in the NFL draft to play. But the Packers drafted him with long-term thoughts in mind as they could get out of Preston Smith deal, for example, next offseason and get some space, uh, get some room in the salary cap by, by uh, possibly moving on from him. So just, just something to think about. Same as Adarius. I don't think they're going to do it with Adarius Smith, but same as Adarius Smith. They could move on from him without taking much of a hit in the, in the salary cap game. So when they drafted uh, Rashawn Gary, they were thinking big picture, not right now. That's what they're thinking. And if they can get a little bit from Rashawn Gary when he is on the field, then they're getting what they want from him. And again, I know it's frustrating. That's not what we want to see from a first-round pick, especially a 12th pick in the draft. That's not what we want to see. But we just got to be patient. He's not a bust. I'm sorry. Bang that drum all you want. Rashawn Gary is not a bust. I refuse to call him a bust. It's too early to call him a bust. I'm sorry. It just is. So, I think the Packers win. I think the Packers get another victory. I think they... I think they uh, they blow out um, the Vikings. I think the Vi- you know Zimmer is struggling to keep this team afloat, and I think the Packers end up winning uh, probably forty-two to four, uh, seventeen. And the fourth quarter, we're not going to see much of a much of a game. So a couple couple big things to talk about: um, the Wisconsin Badgers game against Nebraska is canceled as they have. 13 or 14 players or people, I don't want to say players and adult players, 13 people connected to the football program that have tested positive for COVID, including the Kansas Cannon, Graham Mertz, who now is on 20, uh, out for 21 days. 
His backup tested positive as well, so he's up for 21 days. Um, Paul Crisp is one that's tested positive, too. Um, so no game, but a game of Purdue is in jeopardy. I think the Badgers are handling it the right way. The Big Ten has protocols in place. They're following the protocols. I don't necessarily agree with the 21-day piece. I think if a player tests negative for COVID and they, they pass initial tests and screenings, I think they should be ready to play as soon as they get so many consecutive negatives in a row. I think the Big Ten's going a little overkill with um, – I think the, I think they're going overkill with the 21 days. That, that, that's just my feeling. That, that's just my thoughts. And I know I'm not the only one that thinks that. Um, but we shall see. And the big, uh, big breaking news that just happened in baseball is the Brewers have decided um, – the, the decline the 15 million option in 2021 for Ryan Braun. What I think this means, and I know you're all thinking, well, no, duh, but I think this means Ryan Braun's Milwaukee career is officially over. Could he catch on someplace and play another year, maybe in the American League where they got the DH, which the NL unfortunately is not doing the DH? Well, I don't know, depends on who you ask. I wish they'd do the DH again in 2021. Maybe I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm in the minority here, but I wish they would. But option has been declined on Ryan Braun. Now, yes, Braun can come back on a smaller deal, smaller salary, smaller money. He can come back. Um, but we, uh, I, I'm not going to hold my breath. Um, I'm not going to hold my breath for that happening. I am going, and I know I promised you this this episode, and I, I will. I do promise you, I will do a, an episode that focuses strictly on the Brewers and what the Brewers should do this offseason, including if Ryan Braun should be brought back into the fold. More breaking news: This just hit the the air. This just hit the the wires, and you know, my brother texted me this, uh, Sean, and looking up, and yes. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has tested positive for COVID-19. So Trevor Lawrence will not be available against Boston College, at least. He has to isolate now for 10 days. So no Trevor Lawrence, um, no Trevor Lawrence for Saturday's game against Boston College. Now, he just has to isolate for 10 days, and if he tests negative, he's good to come back. See, that's the difference between the ACC and the Big Ten. But... You know, we'll see. We'll see how long he needs to sit out. I hope him. I hope him. Uh, he heals fast. Uh, he recovers fast. I hope he doesn't suffer from any symptom. You know, very bad symptoms. And I hope he doesn't have any long-term issues with it. But no Trevor Lawrence on Saturday in their game against Boston College. So thank you so much for listening. It didn't go as long as I thought it would. Um, I do appreciate you all for listening. Please share. The, the, you know, Talking Sports with Evan show. Please share it. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. I know I'm not um, some of the bigger named uh, Packer podcasts or sports podcasts that are out there, which there's a lot out there. I get that. And I know some of you would probably podcast it out, like another guy. 
trying to, uh, but I'm going to keep doing it. I love talking sports. I love bringing my thoughts and my insight to you. If you enjoy it too, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting me. If you don't, hey, that's okay. I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but I'm going to keep doing it. And for those that like it, please encourage your friends and family to listen. Please share when I post the links on your social media. Again, on Twitter, at Evan with Sports. Uh, Facebook, Talking Sports with Evan. Email, Coach Evan. 66 at gmail.com. I will be back with you guys probably Monday or Tuesday to record a show. As there's going to be a very quick turnaround between the Packers game against the Vikings and the Packers next game against San Francisco. With that, I hope you all have a safe rest of your week, rest of your weekend, um, and I will get back at you later. This has been Talking Sports with Evan.